Hey guys, good morning. It's so good to have you uh, with us today. I've got some good news. Uh, we've been encouraging people uh, to be on time because we're having a, a worship service for God and you guys are the choir. You can't be late to choir, right? Especially when you're singing to God. So, so last week you guys had 25 in the seats at 9 o'clock. This week... 50 in the seats. All right, give yourself a hand. <laughs> I think the second service was around 50, but they had a bigger crowd. Um, but way to go. That is cool. Let's continue uh, to build that discipline uh, in our lives. Uh, in the back, I see Mike and uh, Kathy Eudis. Why don't you guys stand up? They were just married last Saturday. Yeah. Congratulations. And you guys met at Springbrook, didn't you? <laughs> well, we don't know where you met. <laughs> we get a little credit, though, don't we? Oh, okay, okay. That's all I'm looking for is credit. All right. Well, congratulations. I had a chance to <clears throat> officiate the service, and uh, it's too wonderful. Committed disciples of Jesus Christ. We are talking about the Holy Spirit. And, and I want to take you to a place, to a story, to an event that really defines everything about the church. Now, the disciples, they have been told by Jesus to wait for a helper. And Jesus said that this helper would even be better than having him there. And they just couldn't, blew their minds. They couldn't understand that. But they were waiting for a helper. Now, you can imagine these disciples. Jesus Christ has given them a 40-day education that has blown their minds. <laughs> okay. I mean, they had all these neat preconceptions before. They're thinking they're going to build a... You know, a worldly kingdom. Uh, but those 40 days after the resurrection, he was explaining to them all the holes and where things were going. All right? And, of course, he ascended into heaven. And they say, hey, let's go. Oh, yeah, I mean, these guys were, you know, we're going to take this to the world. Oh, wait. Jesus said we had to wait. Yeah, we had to wait. <laughs> so uh, they go into Jerusalem. And uh, one day there's 120 people, 120 disciples. Jesus Christ had a lot of disciples. 120 disciples praying together, praying together, waiting on God. You know, God likes to have us wait, doesn't he? Amen. Anybody say amen to that? Yeah. Been there? Yeah, I'm still there. I'm still waiting. And he does that to build our trust in him. As we won't depend upon ourselves. I can remember when I was a kid, I had an Uncle Pete. And he was everything an uncle should be. He was gregarious. He was funny. He uh, Take me up in his arms, and I remember uh, sometime back in the 60s, on a seven or something of that nature, 
that uh, I went to his office, uh, which was an office that uh, provided uh, bumpers, I believe, to the auto industry. And he had a Watts line. You know what a Watts line is? <laughs> I mean, it's like, a Watts line? This is a phone you can pick up and talk to anybody in the country. Anybody. You can call them. And if you have international, you can call anybody in the world. I, I just sat there fascinated. A Watts line. Well, <laughs> times pass, right? Then he used to take us out in his sunfish sailboat. Yeah. How many have been how many have been in a sunfish sailboat? They're the number one sailboat in the world. More sunfish out there than any other type of boats. Anybody owned a sunfish sailboat? Okay. Oh oh, oh very good. All right. So uh he took us out there and there wasn't much that there wasn't that much wind uh that day. You know, we zigzag back and forth. And, and, of course, the beauty of a sailboat is it's driven by what? Wind. Wind. John 3, 8. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sounds, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Remember we talked about last week when you became a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit comes into you immediately and indwells you and wants to control you and make you more like God. Well, that, that, it's like the wind. It, isn't the Holy Spirit like a wind sometimes? He I mean, just kind of catches you unaware when He does something special in your life or provides for you or you have this freakish type meeting <laughs> with a person, in fact, I was down, uh, I was down in Indiana. We're coming back from the Creation Museum, and we were at an oasis there, just inside, uh, just inside uh, Indiana. And uh, let's see, um, we ran into the Stangles that go to our church here. <laughs> you believe that? <laughs> I mean, they're right there. Like, what in the world? And she had been out, uh, you know, east visiting some friends. And, I mean, that's a Holy Spirit thing. You know, they're able to sit down and talk. And that's how the Holy Spirit works. He continues to surprise us if we, again, are surrendered to Him. Now, this is the way the Christian life is meant to be lived, right? Sail up, the wind filling the sail, and... And moving along. But the sad thing is that the majority of Christians are like this. They're in a rowboat. Who wants to be in a rowboat, right? You have to work unless you're fishing, of course, or something like that. Wouldn't, I would rather be in a sailboat, you know, feeling the wind against uh, my hair. And uh, <laughs> I still have hair, okay? Enjoy it while it lasts. But, uh, yeah, who wants to be in a rowboat? But, again, 
the majority of Christians, that's the way they're living the Christian life. They're saying, okay, I want to be a good Christian, so I'll go to church and uh, be part of a small group and I'll have my quiet time and I'll really try to be like Jesus. And, and you know, when you're first a Christian and you, you don't know about the Holy Spirit, I mean, you're... Well, you're excited, right? And then after a while, it's a little slower. And then some people have just put their oars in the boat. Maybe that's you today. You just have really stopped pursuing knowing Jesus because it just hasn't worked. You've worked and you've worked and you've just become discouraged because nothing's happening. Well, I'd say there's a good chance... The Holy Spirit dwells you if you become a child of God, but you're not letting the Holy Spirit uh, control you. Uh, we go back to uh, the sailboat metaphor. And remember we talked about last week? If you want the Holy Spirit to change your life, What's the one thing you need to do? Anybody? Surrender. Surrender. And say, Jesus Christ, you're my Lord, and my whole life is about you. And I'm surrendering myself to you in the Spirit. And you do what you want me to do. Fill me with whatever motivations or whatever I need uh, to be a, a light for you. That's what it should be like, right? But sometimes we think of the Holy Spirit like going into Thornton's. I went in the new Thornton's down the street. <laughs> you know, they've got like 48 different flavored beverages. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. And sometimes, like if that represented what the Spirit gives us, and we go, we pray to God and say, okay, well, I'll need a little bit of patience uh, for this afternoon when I'm meeting with my boss. Uh, <laughs> I'll need a little bit of uh, uh, understanding of that one problem uh, that I'm having. I need a little bit of love for that person in the office that I can't stand. So we, we, we just think... That, you know, you can pluck the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? I need this now. No! What you do is you start to surrender yourself. And the Holy Spirit will show up. There's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, I need some power in this area. Nothing wrong with that at all. But if you think you need to ask for everything, no, 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 no. You surrender to the Holy Spirit. And there's no doubt He's going to bring you into situations where you're going to need His power. And if you've surrendered to Him, you will experience it. So, so it, it's an all-in kind of thing. It's not like you can go over to Thornton's and take one of these, one of these, one of these, one of these, one of these. No. You're all in. You're saying, God, you pick out the gifts that you want to give me. You pick out uh, the fruits of the Spirit for me. 
look, I've, I've just surrendered to you. My, my whole life is about you and what you want me to do in this world. And friends, that is when the Holy Spirit fills you and controls you. It's got to be all in. Right? Uh, and this is also true of an individual or a church. Okay? So let's talk about the church. Did you know that your spiritual life impacts this body, this family, if you're a regular attender? I mean, your spiritual life, whether it be healthy or whether it be not doing so well, it impacts the strength of our church because we're a body and everybody counts. Now, again, perfection, no. But my desire is just to see you walking in the Spirit, you know, letting Him do those works in your life. And, hey, you're never going to be perfect. Far from it. But the point is, is that you're moving in the right direction and you're surrendering to God. That also means we as a body of Christ, part of the body of Christ, that we need to be surrendered as a family to the Holy Spirit. When we think about Springbrook, when we pray about Springbrook, when we're involved in ministries here at Springbrook, we need to be surrendered to Him. Lord, where do you want me to serve? Or who do you want me to reach out to? Who do you want me to forgive? And friends, as we do that as a body, and we understand that as a body, great things will begin to happen. And uh, I'm looking forward to a new chapter here at Springbrook where we're just going to put more emphasis on the Spirit. It kind of gets left out. He's really critical, right? Father, Son, what's the Holy Spirit do? I have no idea. (laughs) This is the uh, organizational cycle of an organization. (laughs) Uh, You'll see typically at the startup, things are going well, and then rapid growth typically with a a new organization, then it reaches maturity, and then it moves into decline. And there's two ways to go, rebirth or death. So this is true of every organization, churches. Okay, you look at churches, and I think it's uh, 70 to 80% of churches are plateaued or declining. They're not growing. All right? And that includes us, right? You're aware of that, you know? Not as many people you know, don't have the finances uh, that we need, and we've been praying and asking God to direct us. So we're really kind of about, you know, somewhere in here uh, in regards to are we going to decide to make the commitment to rebirth, or are we going to just let it go? And it's a decision. It really is. Everyone who attends regularly here at Springbrook and calls it uh, their home. 
we all have to decide to say, you know, we want a new beginning here. We want a new chapter. And it's almost like starting the church over again, right? Because we talk about new places we want to go and things we want to do as a family and what we want the Holy Spirit to do here. And so my idea, you know, in terms of moving into rebirth is that all of us get on board. And that means first, surrender to the Holy Spirit, right? Continue to grow in your Christian life. And then to pray, think, dialogue about how you can be part of this church revitalization process. What's revitalization? It means new life, right? A new beginning, a rebirth to be revitalized. I love taking naps because when I get up, I feel revitalized for about a half hour. No, no, really. Naps clear my head. <laughs> How about the Cubs, huh? Have they been revitalized or not? Come on now. Give it up for them. Give it up for them. Uh, don't tell Lori, but I might be taking her to a Cubs game tomorrow for her birthday. Uh, but don't tell her, okay? <laughs> because she's been talking about the Cubs. I mean, all these years of marriage, not much about the Cubs. And all of a sudden, she's got this interest in the Cubs. Well, that's great, <laughs> especially this year, right? So, church revitalization. I've read many books about this. In the last several years, and I carry the burden as a leader uh, for the health of this church. And, uh, yeah, God's taught me a lot. And as I've mentioned before, God has done a work of renewal in my life. I've been revitalized spiritually. God has helped me to have a better understanding of what life is all about, my relationship with Him, my relationship with the Spirit, and also my leadership here at Springbrook. And I am just so grateful. I had the best vacation I've ever had for a while. <laughs> this vacation. Because God has renewed me and done a new work. And that's what we want to happen in all our lives. And part of it is, if you're part of a church that has you know, joined up as a team and saying, okay, we're going to revitalize this ministry through the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to jump in and I'm going to be fully on board. So if you're a regular attender, I'm throw myself in, you know, all right? I mean, being in relationships with other people here at Springbrook through small groups and ministry, being involved in the ministry, taking that next step of leadership or the first time you get involved in the ministry. In fact, we're having a ministry fair next Sunday when we're going to be talking about the spiritual gifts that God gives you when you become a Christ follower. And then you'll have an opportunity just to walk around and see our different ministries. It's always a, a fun Sunday together. But what I'm asking you, and how I'm praying for you, is that you would say, yes, I want to become part of this revi 
uh, revitalize uh, team, revitalizing team. Uh, I want the best for Springbrook. And, and I'm going to commit myself uh, to this rebirth, uh, new and exciting things that are coming our way. That's my prayer for you. Amen? Amen. Well, we're looking toward a new chapter, right? And, and, and the main thing is that we need to be a praying church. Now, again, you'll see with all of these that we've kind of ramped up in all these areas I'm going to talk about because we knew that we had to because we knew we had to go through the earth. So, a praying church. Let's go back to the disciples. They're sitting in the room. And all of a sudden, the sound of a violent wind rushes into the room. I mean, this was really loud. Everybody could hear it. And all of a sudden, there were, there were tongues of fire. Something that looked like tongues of fire. We're not sure. Uh, and, and they were filled with the Spirit. That's the first time they received the Spirit, the church. That's when the church began, the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was 49 days after the Passover, and it was the feast of uh, weeks, the feast of first fruits, when every male Jew uh, was required to come back to Israel from wherever they lived and give their fruits, fruits offering. And it was just one of the huge celebrations uh, that the Israelites had, among many others. So, I mean, they would come. I mean, Jerusalem would be packed out. You could hardly move. There were so many people in Jerusalem. But it was a great, great time of uh, having fun and worshiping God and seeing people you haven't seen in a while, that kind of thing. So they were all there. In the midst of all of that, the Spirit comes in. Wouldn't that be cool it, when we led a person to the Lord, the tongues of fire would appear before their head, uh, above their head, and they would be able to speak in a language they'd never spoken before. <laughs> That'd be cool, but we don't need that. <laughs> because this was a big deal. This is the first time God said, I'm stepping out of the Holy of Holies, and I'm coming into you. You are the temple. You are the one I'm going to work through. You need to surrender to me so I can have my Holy Spirit mold you and, and help you to become more like Jesus. So this was an exciting event. And, and all of a sudden they went outside. Now you've got to imagine a crowd had gathered. If you heard a, uh, <laughs> a tornado, that you'd look at it. What's going on here, right? And I kind of think it was like that. It was loud. It was a supernatural, uh, supernatural event. And, and so what happened was, is when people heard this sound, and they were all over the place, they moved toward where this was happening. So the 120 disciples come out, and they go to each person that they're drawn to, and they start to... Speak to them in their own dialect. They can remember Jewish people from around the world 
all right there in Jerusalem. You know, God, that's great strategy, isn't it? If you're going to start the church, what do you have to do? You have to get all the Israelites together. So he decides at this point that he's going to introduce his spirit. And then these disciples are going to go out and talk to different people and speak their language. Can you imagine if you were in that situation and you were a foreigner somewhere and all of a sudden somebody you wouldn't expect to speak English starts speaking English to you? That would blow you away. Well, that's what happened. That's how God birthed the church. He gathered all the Israelites together. And then it was a great event. The day of Pentecost, the day of the beginning of the church, the day where we can receive the Holy Spirit individually. It was just unbelievable. And that's what we rejoice in and celebrate today, that if we are a Christ follower, as soon as we make that decision, the Spirit comes in. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Just close your eyes for a second and just kind of imagine. Imagine 120 people, upper room of a house. And all of a sudden, let me read it again. Keep your eyes closed. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them wow that would have been great to be there huh? you're looking around at everybody and everybody's got something that looks like tongues of fire over their head and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, this is not, I believe, uh, referring to uh, the gift of tongues as seen in Scripture. Uh, the word glossosia speaks of a normal type of language. So, so they all could speak these different languages. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered. Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Yeah, that wasn't a compliment. <laughs> Aren't these a bunch of country bumpkins who aren't, you know, educated and nothing special comes out of Galilee? And how is it that we hear each of, his, each of us in his own native language? It was just incredible. It was a miracle. Of course, you had your uh, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Vigra, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Serene and visitors from Rome. God brought everybody to the biggest party on earth. Right? I, my desire is that you would understand 
how important the Holy Spirit is. What a critical role He plays in your life. And my desire is that both you and I will continue to surrender to the Spirit on a daily basis and just let Him do His job. He's got a whole plan for you. Might not all be easy, but it's His plan, the best plan. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, uh, we hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, Ah, they are filled with new wine. Whenever a miracle happens, and for a person who doesn't believe in miracles, they come up with some other excuse, right? When you look at evolution, if you don't see God as the cause, what do you have to go to? You have to go to a big bang. Which makes no sense whatsoever. Everything needs a cause. And God was a cause, but people don't want to believe that. Say, oh, it just happened. Very intellectual people. They had to come up with something. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, the second thing is we want to become a missional church. Oh, one more thing about being a praying church. Uh, what we're going to do as we prepare for our 20th anniversary is uh, I would like you guys to pray with me. I'd like you to prepare your hearts and pray for uh, a new rebirth here at Springbrook. So I want you to take your, excuse me, take your uh, communication slips, you know, that you put your name down and everything. Take that out right now, okay? Everybody could do that. And then... If you're interested, you don't have to do this, but we're going to have a month of prayer here. It's the 8th, uh, 21st, we're looking at September 18th. But if you're willing to pray five times a week uh, for our church, and uh, put your email down there, and uh, we will make sure that you'll get a weekly uh, prayer update in regards to our ministry and our 20th anniversary, and... So just write down, you know, prayer team, and then write down uh, how many minutes you'd like to pray. I've committed myself to a half hour a day of prayer for our church. I've done that off and on, uh, but I'm just going to do it every day. Half hour, uh, five days a week, all right? So you get some mercy room in there, grace room. But the point is, is that if we are going to be revitalized as a church, we have to be serious about it, and we have to pray. When you want God to do something, you have to pray. You have to get on your knees. You have to cry out to God and say, God, I want this, and you want this for Springbrook. And I'm praying, and I tell you what, as our chorus of voices go up into his heaven, God is listening. God doesn't miss anything or say, oh, no, I don't know anything about that. No! If we pray for it, if we listen to his guidance and his spirit directs us, God will do something new and beautiful. So just write down your communication slip. Of course, your name and 
email, which you probably already have there. Uh, and also, just write prayer team and say, whatever, five minutes a day, uh, ten minutes a day, whatever you're comfortable with. Uh, and just say five times a week, and uh, we'll be getting an email out to you. Because prayer is where you unleash God's power. Prayer is what does miracles, right? No doubt. We also want to be a missional church. A missional church. Now, of course, we always talk about evangelism. Telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ. But here's another way to look at it. In the sense that we're a missional church, which means, first of all, that we move out into our community and we're missionaries. Okay? Wherever you're at, whatever job you have, uh, neighbors that you're with, uh, baseball leagues, whatever. Wherever God has put you, you are on a mission. In fact, that's going to be our fall series, Life on Mission. And we're going to have a great time uh, with that one. But, but I want us all to start thinking like that. So many times, especially as guys, you know, we compartmentalize our spiritual life. And, yeah, we do. And we, we seek to grow in Christ and things of that nature. But that's that one compartment. And then you got the work, work uh, compartment and the kids compartment, the wife compartment, and uh, hobby uh, compartment, if you're lucky enough to have that. <laughs> whatever, you know what I'm saying? We just, well, guys, what we have to do is we just have to open up all the compartments at once and say, Holy Spirit, I surrender to your work. And that's when you're going to see exciting things happen. You know why so many Christians don't experience miracles? They don't feel the power of God. They're dead in the water because of their relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's lying there dormant. They're in their rowboat, you know, saying, oh, this is not working. But man, you get on that Holy Spirit sailboat. Anybody been sailing and just really fast? I got a real fast sailboat while I went. Anybody with it? Jane has done a lot. <laughs> really? I mean, come on. Is there any? We don't we don't do sailboating around here. Okay, all right, all right, whatever. <laughs> but just imagine sitting in a sailboat. You've seen it on TV. Uh, sitting on a sailboat, and this sailboat you are on is crushing the water. It's cutting through it, and this wind that's coming against your face and the Moisture, it's exhilarating, right? Well, that's the Holy Spirit can do for you. Now, you're not exhilarated all the time, but there are times, man, when I was like, "Whoa, let's roll! Let that wind blow!" Don't you want that for your life and for our our church's life? So the idea of being a missional church is again this whole idea of being a disciple maker, a disciple making church, as we've talked about many times. But it's the idea that you go out into your world and you look for someone to share the gospel with. 
We look for someone to share the gospel with. Uh, you know, we have your Invite Your Friend uh, initiative going on. And we have our board right out there. And what you can do is write down the name of the person that you're inviting out, or several names. Ask three, you'll at least get one, right? And then your name. So, anybody invited somebody out to uh, invite your... Our 20th anniversary celebration. Okay. Brad, who did you invite up? Oh. Oh, very good. Wonderful. His name is Mike, and he's talking about comment, and then I have uh, several others that are on my list. (laughs) Brad has the gift of evangelism. This guy is incredible. Became a Christ follower when? Three years ago, almost three years ago. Three years ago, hasn't stopped talking about Jesus since then, right? Anybody else? Okay. Just yesterday, I uh, had an opportunity. A gentleman was coming over with a bunch of dirt from the bags unloading, so I told him I'd help him unload them and. and Invited them out, told them about Springbrook, and they recently moved out here from California. Oh, really? Wow. So his name's Jarrett, so yeah. I'm praying for them, and he's planning on coming yeah. out, maybe even today. Wow, wonderful, wonderful. Raise your hand if you've invited someone out. Just raise your hand if you invited someone out. All right, you see, this is a problem, right? You know, if we're going to be missional, if we're going to move out, uh, we have to take advantage of these opportunities. This 20th anniversary is not for us. It's for the people that you bring. And I encourage you to take three people <laughs> and ask them all. I've invited, I invited Tom Hallett over here at Tom's Market. He's such a great guy. We go way back. and uh, uh, He attends Catholic Church down here at St. Mary's. But he said, yeah, I'll be there. And then he said that he would bring the sweet corn for our picnic. <laughs> I like that. Now that's the Holy Spirit. Don't you agree? Is that the Holy Spirit? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So I want to challenge you guys. Uh, we've got to move out of our comfort zones. And again, if you're missional, doesn't mean you have to be talking about Jesus all the time. But you are open uh, to cultivating relationships. I'm uh, cultivating, cultivating a relationship with a new neighbor. And I talked to him a couple times, and we were getting right into the gospel, and he had to go. But it's like the best new neighbor I've ever had <laughs> in terms of response. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's exciting. Hopefully he's coming out. I invited him. And uh, I, I met with uh, the mayor of Huntley this past week. There was a mayor and the village manager, and I invited both of them. And we were also talking about the needs of the community. So how, how can we help you guys out? And the key thing is domestic issues, right? That's where the problems really are. They're inside uh, the family. And uh, we just, friends, please... You know, this is all part of the revitalization process, and we do it all the time anyway. But this time, will you please step forward with me? You've got that card. Yeah. 
I think the tough, the hardest thing is the rejection that you get from people. I've invited a few neighbors and excuses they give you not to come to churches and just to pray about it. Just keep praying for them and let them see your life. I mean, I think Amen. that's the tough part that yeah. you just don't let Satan take over. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And that typically is the way it goes. I've done that with a lot of neighbors, and nothing's happened. One neighbor came twice, uh, and they stopped, and they moved out of the area. It's, it, it's discouraging. But friends, what are we doing? We're telling people about Jesus. Who told you about Jesus? My parents told me about Jesus. All right. Who told you about Jesus? My parents. Who told you about Jesus? My parents. Who told you about Jesus? My parents. All right, anybody? Not the parent. All right. Who told you about Jesus? Okay. Jerry, who told you about Jesus? Uh, uh, Willow Creek Church. Okay. So the church itself or a particular individual? Uh, uh, it was, uh, boy, it was so The sermon or something? Um, probably the biggest thing was was uh, um, the the Wednesday evening services. Okay. And they were teaching us the Bible. Yeah. I'm so grateful for Willow Creek Huntley and the other uh, campuses around. I mean, they're just doing such awesome work in reaching people for Jesus Christ. But you know what? We wouldn't all be sitting here today unless someone told us, right? I mean, if no one told us about Jesus and the free gift of salvation, we wouldn't know. And that's what we're all about, right? As Christ followers, that's He says, go and make disciples. That's that's the main deal, man. More important than discipleship. Um, you know, it's more important than worship service. Is more important. Than all those. those are all important. But the number one thing is go and tell. Go tell it on the mountain, right? Scream it! Let people know that Jesus can change their lives. Because I meet different people, and I hear about their issues, and uh, in the kindest way possible, you need Jesus. You need Jesus in your life. You need the Holy Spirit. Man, we are sitting on the secret of life. And it's time for us to be more aggressive, more missional in the way that we behave. And, uh, yeah, that's my prayer for you. My prayer. So, I had another one disciple making, but you've heard about that quite a bit. And uh, I tell you, I'm excited. I'm excited. So, take the yellow commitment card out. And if God has spoke to you during the service, just write down that name. You can write down the first name, anonymous, whatever. Uh, and then write down your name and then put it on the Jesus board uh, that we have. It says, invite your one. But guys, I ask you more than ever, uh, please ask the Holy Spirit to empower you uh, just to make an invitation Next week we'll have uh, some business card invitations that you can hand out. But keep inviting people because we're going to keep talking about this and keep praying. We're going to have a morning of prayer the day before our 20th anniversary. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord. (laughs) 
It's exciting to talk about Your Holy Spirit. And Lord, my desire is to lead my flock into a deeper understanding of the Spirit. And that we would uh, experience Him more. Lord, thank You for all You've done for us. In Christ's name, Amen. Right now, I'm going to have uh, my beautiful wife come out, Lori Harrison. Yes. And she's going to tell us about Awana. Yes, I'd like to tell you about a fun, engaging, proven uh, ministry that is not only for children, but it's for adults as well. And we'll be starting that up in September, on September 14th. Um, Awana is a scripture-based program. It promotes Bible memory and Bible literacy, and um, it helps kids to develop a lifelong faith in Christ. God has used Awana um, for over 66 years um, to to reach countless children and families for Christ, and he has blessed it tremendously. As you know, children are just bombarded with all kinds of messages today, with technology and, and um, speed. It's, it's impossible to keep up with everything, but Awana has embraced the digital age and has um, catered their programs um, to reach to be relevant to kids of this culture, and um, and the decisions that they have to make are so are so critical, and uh, God has used His Word to help them uh, as they as they participate in Awana and learn His Word, and um, it's very engaging um, an engaging tool for discipleship. Awana teaches kids. Uh, how to defend their faith and how to know why they believe what they believe. You know, more more than 40% of churched kids don't believe that the Bible is true or relevant anymore. It's just shocking, and I'm sure the statistics are higher by now. But uh, don't you want to give children something that will benefit them for the rest of their lives? You know, uh, when they're old and in a nursing home, <laughs> it's not going to really matter that they played football or hockey or baseball for 10 years or whatever, even if they make it and play professionally, that's not going to really matter to them, is it? So the only thing that's going to be lasting and impactful and helpful to them are is God's Word. God's Word is alive. It's living and powerful. As in Hebrews 4.12, the Bible says, The Word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So we, want, we need to give our kids something that's going to last and, and help them throughout their whole life when they come to periods of trial and pressure and indecision. We want them to have a solid foundation. And so... If um, you're interested in learning more about Awana, um, you can step by our Awana table, and registration is now open. It's for children in kindergarten through sixth grade, um, and we also are looking for um, helpers, to, adults, to help 
with the kids um, each week. And if, you're, if you'd like to know more information, stop by. We do have a couple of informational meetings coming up um, that are listed in the program. Uh, and we'd love to get acquainted with you, even if you don't even if you don't know you want to make a commitment, um, just come and find out what it's all about. Thank you. Can you, can you help me out here first? Keep. Happy birthday to you. Oh, wait, 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 where are you going, man? <laughs> oh, Jerry, let's sing it, Jerry. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jerry. Happy birthday to you. There you go, bud. It was painful. But, uh, hey, listen, we're going to have elder prayer uh, this morning. Uh, so they're going to come down during the first song. And then after the service, come up, and they would love to pray with you. Also, at 1030, we have our prayer team. Uh, not really a prayer team. It's a prayer gathering from 1030 to 1050. We're a church that's committed to pray, and I want to ask you to try it out. It's only 20 minutes, but it's a great time of lifting up the name of the Lord. That's 1030. Thank you. <laughs> 